Todd Starnes. I have the privilege to be the pastor of Odessa First Assembly. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. This is a series called Basic Training. We're looking at the simple aspects of spiritual warfare. If you want more information about us, just go to odessafirst.com or you can look at any of the social media platforms. We pray that this message is an encouragement to you. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Romans chapter 12. We are starting a new series this morning, as you can tell. Doesn't the platform look cool? I love it. I mean, we got, we got uh, MREs. I have a story about Chris and MREs. I don't know if he wants me to tell that. But, um, artillery shells, missiles, I love it. And so we're doing a series on spiritual warfare we're calling Basic Training. And uh, again, remember, we have our notes, our fill-in-the-blank notes that you can grab also online, version. If you have the Bible app, you just go to events, find our church. Our notes are listed there. And so, but I just want to pray before we get started this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning and just your work and your presence. And I pray, Lord, as we dive into this subject and we look at your scripture and look at your word, that our hearts will be open to receive your word, Lord, that our, our ears be open to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us. And I pray, Lord, that as we look at this, Lord, we'll know how to stand, we'll know how to engage in prayer and how to walk in this secular society that we live in, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus, amen. You know, some may ask why... Well, I do a spirit, series on spiritual warfare, and it's, you know, it's, Hallow, it's Halloween month, it is, and um, we begin to see all the, you know, ghosts and ghouls and all that kind of stuff out, but I want you to know the devil wants to keep his work in the dark. He wants to keep us believing, he wants society to believe that he's just a little miniature Reddit red guy with horns and a and a tail and a pitchfork. That is not the enemy. That was a good place to say amen. <laughs> that is not the devil. The devil knows that if we gain some very simple understanding about the aspects of spiritual warfare, that we will be able to stand against his onslaught. We're going to do so, we're going to do some basic training. On spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare touches everyone in some fashion in, in, the, in our aspect of, of spiritual life. And there are those that believe it's not real. There are those that believe it's not scriptural, that it doesn't intersect our life. And I'm going to tell you that just, that just gives a, a mark in the enemy's wind column. We can vehemently believe that it's not real, and if we believe that, the enemy wins. Whether we believe in spiritual warfare or not, I'm going to tell you the enemy sure does. It seems for most of us that, uh, especially in, well, here in the U.S., I'm going to tell you, I, just from our exposure to other cultures and other nations and places around the world, I mean, it, it's... Around the world, so many countries and cultures know the authenticity or the realness, for lack of a better word, of spiritual warfare and the spirit world. It's here in America that we teach 
that, that's fake, it's not real, it's, it's not anything like that. And, you know, even our, I had this conversation recently with somebody, I don't remember who it was, but even our kids growing up, when they came to us and, you know, said the boogeyman was in the closet or someone was under the bed, we never taught them that there wasn't anything there. And it's not because we thought something was there or not there, but what we taught them is how to pray. Because we don't want to teach our children that this is not for real. Church, it is. I've, I've met many from Haiti and, and Africa and South America, and, and they tell me about, I mean, encounters with witch doctors and, and spiritual forces of the enemy. And the mistake is to also to believe that it only happens somewhere else. It's happening here, too. It's just the enemy has done a real good job at staying in the dark about it. When we allow him to operate, we allow, we, we allow the enemy to operate in the dark and the shadows. I, but I want to set this kind of a foundation, just maybe some ground rules as I talk about this. And the first thing is this. There are some things that are not a direct result of the devil. Maybe I need to slow down and say that again. There are some things that's not the devil's fault. There's some of us that we do a pretty good job on our own. Now, we, we may be fighting against that sinful nature, that flesh, but the reality is there's a lot of things that get blamed on the devil that may not be the devil, devil's fault. Number two is this. There is no such thing as ghosts, goblins, ghouls, poltergeists, or demons behind every door. But I'm going to tell you, and we're going to kind of dive into this this morning, is there are demonic spirits at work. Number three is this. This is not about trying to locate the enemy's influence upon everything. Listen, we are not called to be ghostbusters. Right, do, you, do you follow me on this? I, I know I've used this illustration before, but... Um, years ago, it was, I was youth pastoring. I had some fiery, zealous young people in my youth group, and they heard about a haunted house in town, right? And so they grabbed some anointing oil, and they're going to go pray over this haunted house. And the reality is, is I, you know, I, of course, I don't believe in haunted houses either, but I'm going to tell you there are demonic spirits at work. And they had encounters. Matter of fact, there's a, 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 a place in Scripture that talks about the seven sons of Sceva. Anybody remember that story? The seven sons of Sceva, like they're going to pray for this guy for deliverance, right? And that, you know, they're like, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Paul, you know, and he's like, and the demon responds to him and says, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? And he attacked them. And I'm going to tell you, yes, there is a level of spiritual warfare. I mean, buddy, you better be anointed, led by the Holy Spirit, full of discernment. But what I also want you to know, it's not always like that. And so that's why this, this is basic training. This is a, 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 the floor of foundation for this. And number four is this, is the pursuit of the presence of God and living a life faithful and worthy of the calling fixes a lot. Are you following me? Following, I mean, being in pursuit of God's presence in our life 
and living of faithfulness to the lordship of Jesus, it fixes a lot of our a lot of problems that we got. But our, our text this morning is simply this Romans 12 21. Romans 12 21. It'll be on the screen. You can read it with me if you are there in your Bible. And it's simply this don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. You know, I didn't expect that verse, did you? Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Yes, there is a level of understanding we need that either evil will conquer us or we are going to conquer evil. Evil will be defeated more times by faithfulness than rebuking and binding and casting. I feel like that maybe kind of her. Number one is this. Evil is a person. Evil is a person. Yes, we live in a fallen world, and we see the evidence of that fallen world around us. But I want you to understand that evil is a person. And so I want to talk specifically about him just for a moment. And on the screen and in your notes, you're going to realize that I just have a, I just can't capitalize his name. That may not mean much to some people, but I, I, I do it sometimes. I, I just cannot give him that credit. And so evil is a person. So one way we know him is Satan. Satan means the one who resists or opposes. One who resists or opposes. We see um, this unfold a lot in the Old Testament. And we're going to talk specifically about some of those moments in, in here in just a bit. Satan means the one who resists or opposes. Devil means what we see more in the New Testament. It means slander or accuser. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he's the, uh, he brings accusation towards the brethren. He's the accuser of, he's, he, he's the accuser of you. And our enemy was first known as Lucifer. And he was one of the angels of God. And so let's, I want to look scripturally just for a moment about this. And the first one is found in Isaiah chapter 14, beginning in verse 2. And it is Isaiah 14, beginning in verse 12. I'm sorry, Isaiah 14, beginning in verse 12. Listen to this description. How you have fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth who destroyed the nations of the world. Verse 13, for you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I'll preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. Verse 14, I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead down to its lowest depths. And so here we simply see an unfolding in Isaiah as that Satan, Lucifer, wanted to exalt himself either to God's status or above God's status. And, and the punishment of that was him being cast down from heaven. In Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 13 we read, you were in Eden, the garden of God. You may remember the serpent, right? 
Your clothing was adorned with very every precious stone, red carnelian, pale green paradise, white moonstone, blue-green beryl, onyx, green jasper, the lapis lazuli, uh, whatever. I don't even know what that is. I pronounced it right. But anyway, turquoise, emerald, all the beautiful crafted for you set the finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. The enemy, Satan, Lucifer, is a created being. It's important to understand. I ordained and anointed you as a mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. Verse 15, you were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Verse 16, your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God, expelled you, almighty garden, from the place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride. Because of all your beauty, your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of the king. And so we see a description, a simple understanding that Lucifer, he was a beautiful angel. That he was a wise angel. But he is also very prideful and evil. And sin was found in him. Satan was an archangel, as, it, as some would say. He had outstanding beauty, wisdom. He, uh, but he wanted this either this, this equality with God or, or to overthrow God. And so Lucifer was cast down from heaven along with all the angels that he deceived and follow him. And so here's a second important thing is that Satan set his kingdom in the heavenlies. Satan set his kingdom in the heavenlies. But what he's good at is if you know this term, it's kind of a, a, a battlefield term, but the enemy runs sorties here. You know what that means? That's, that's uh, operations, that's uh, 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 attacks, and they happen towards us. But uh, how do we get this? Ephesians 6.12 tells us, For we are not a fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Our war, our battle, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers, authorities of an unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. And the reason why so many people do not um, understand or I hate to use the terminology buy in, but the reason why people have a difficult time about spiritual warfare is because it's really not something you see. Now, you can see the impact. You see the effects of spiritual warfare. We may not fully realize we're seeing the effects of spiritual warfare, but listen to me. Spiritual warfare engages in a realm that we cannot see. Spiritual warfare engages in a realm that we cannot see. That does not make us weird. That doesn't make us odd. That doesn't make us deceived or unhinged or anything like that. Spiritual warfare engages in a realm that we cannot see. But again, we can see the impact all around us from spiritual warfare. The Bible says against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world. There's only one way that we can have insight and understanding of spiritual warfare. And I'm going to tell you, it is through the Holy Spirit speaking to us, giving us discernment and the word of God and scripture. 
I mean, Scripture really, especially when it comes to spiritual warfare, is kind of like a, a seatbelt to us as we're understanding and discerning that is spiritual warfare. Because I want to tell you, there is, there is some weird stuff out there. There is some weird beliefs with Christians out there when it comes to spiritual warfare. And I kind of just speaking of this back, the fact that we this this realm we see in being based in the heavenlies, we find in Daniel chapter 10, and I, I don't I don't have time to go on the whole story of what's leading up to this, but Daniel's had a vision. He's praying for the interpretation, and um, uh, he's crying out to the Lord, and, um, and the Lord speaks to him and, uh, through an angel. And we, we see this, I want to pick out just a few verses, but this is kind of the passage of Daniel 10, 11 through 14. And one of them is in verse 12. It says, Then he said, Don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your request has been heard in heaven. And I have come and answered to your prayer. So this angel, so Daniel's been seeking the Lord. But listen to how this is worded. Kind of get feeling what's going on. The answer didn't come until 21 days later. But the angel says, you were heard on the first day, and I was bringing your answer on the first day. And I, I just kind of want to just hit a pause or maybe just a little exit ramp right here and just remind you, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter where your emotional state is, like if you're, if you're you know, high in emotion or whether you have goosebumps or not, you need to know when you call on the name of the Lord, he hears you. You may not always feel it. Listen, I mean, some of us, I, I, listen, I'm, I'm an emotionally charged person, but just because I don't weep or cry or, or feel goosebumps every time that I go into prayer, I, that doesn't tell me that God's not there or that God's not listening. He says when we call, he hears. Do you hear me? When he call, when we call, he hears. The enemy wants you to believe that God is not listening to you, nor does he hear you, nor does he care about you. But the moment you speak his name, the moment that you call out, I want you to know that it's been heard and an answer is on the way. Now, sometimes you got to walk that road of faithfulness and fight for that answer to come to fruition. And that's exactly what Daniel did. In verse 13, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. I would have loved to see that unfold. It's like, you know, it's like you're, it's like, you know, picking on, you know, little brother and then big brother shows up. So Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me and left me there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to the people in their future. And so, but Daniel, one thing that he did, he kept praying. For those 21 days, he prayed and he fasted. Because spiritual warfare engages in a world that we do not see, the battle oftentimes is unrecognized unrecognized. I'm going to tell you, we need men and women of God with the gift of discernment. 
The gift of discernment that we read in 1 Corinthians 12 is a very specific gift. And it's able to, it determines what is good and what is evil. It determines between the both of them. Listen to me. We need discernment when you are battling in spiritual warfare. I remember years ago, before, before, uh, uh, before, I, before I liked Angela. I, you may not know this. Maybe some of you do. I know I've talked about this before, but I, you, you may not realize, but me and Angela, our first date was a demon possession. You know, it wasn't me. Or it wasn't her, but it's praying deliverance over a young lady at camp. I'm going to tell you this. The, the reality is we sometimes don't recognize what the enemy is doing and is what he's working. And we need people that can see through. I, I, but before, before I met Angela, I, I, was, I was connected with this young lady, dating this young lady. And it, it, it was just weird right and so i want to explain this to you just for just for a moment and so again we got to remember our battle is not against flesh and blood but uh she i mean immediately like you know she felt the lord speaking to her that we're going to get married and all this kind of stuff and i'm just kind of like no i i didn't hear the lord say that you know but we're just friends doing stuff together and I, I, I was clear about intentions and all that kind of stuff. And so she started going. She started going to some of my close friends and, 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 and some began to turn close friends against me. She even, her influence was so strong, she turned my sister against me. She even influenced my mother and how my mother saw me in some situations. And I went to my pastor. I was like, I mean, I, I was broken. I was like, I don't know what to do. I mean, it doesn't matter what I say, what I do. And he, he said, I'm not saying that she is, but I'm telling you, there's a spirit at work, and we need to pray against that spirit. And it's the moment that spirit was recognized, and he began to pray for me, we began to pray together one by one. My, I'll never forget. My sister said, hey, can you come by? And so I went by her house, and she said, Todd, I'm so sorry. I just, I don't know what happened. And, and, I mean, this began to say, I, I was wrong with it. I felt my friends began, it was slow, but one by one began to come talk to me and say, man, we were, we were, we were wrong. And, and listen, it's, it, we never, I never prayed against her, but I sure prayed against the spirit was at work. But it was my pastor that recognized what was going on. You need to recognize what's happening in the spirit world. There is, listen to me, there is no such thing, I, I can't emphasize this enough, there, as, as the world portrays, as our society portrays, ghosts, ghouls, vampires, all this kind of stuff going on, and I'm gonna, I, I want to speak very pointed and, and direct towards some things, and the first thing is this, is that the Bible is clear that once a person dies, they cannot return from the dead. Now listen, now God can raise them like their whole being physically, that can happen, but what I'm talking about is us seeing a loved one that has passed on. The Bible is clear that once they have passed away, that we do not see images of their spirit or them speaking to us or them talking to us. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27, it is destined for each man to die once and then the judgment. 
It's destined for each man to die once and then the judgment. A person does not get to choose whether they're going to return and reveal themselves to people or haunt people in this earthly life. When a person dies, they are immediately before God. The Bible also tells in Ecclesiastes 12:7, For then the dust will return to the earth, but the Spirit will return to God who gave it. The Spirit will return to God who gave it. To put it simply and bluntly, if people are under the Lordship of Jesus, when we draw our last breath, we're going to eternity with the Father and with our Lord Jesus Christ. If we, listen, I, I don't know whether they say this, if, we, if Jesus is not our Lord, when we draw our last breath, if the Lord tarries, we draw our last breath, then we're going to spend eternity in hell. That's the two options of eternity. Each person will go to one or the other. There is no third option of unfinished or incomplete business. Many people still report seeing dead loved ones or experiencing uh, certain paranormal activities in their home. How do we explain that? It's this. Demons masquerade themselves to deceive people. Demons masquerade themselves to deceive people. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, are you still with me? Okay. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. but I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So he masquerades, he disguises himself, and then verse 15, so no wonder that his servants, that's talking about these demonic spirits, those, those that have followed him in the fall and were cast down with him, also disguise themselves as angels of, of uh, servants of righteousness. And there's also a place in the script that talks about familiar spirits. But listen to me. Demons can masquerade as angels of light, as servants of righteousness. It's completely possible for a demonic spirit to manifest himself to look like someone that has passed away. And believers, you need to be aware of this. You need to be aware that demons will trick us any way that they can. If you believe you've experienced a ghost or a dead loved one, it was not your deceased loved one. It was not a ghost. It was a demonic spirit trying to deceive, attack, manipulate you. Because demons masquerade themselves to deceive people. That brings me to the third thing. Don't engage with the paranormal. Don't engage with the paranormal. It's pretty amazing, you know, this how, I, you know, well, I, I, you know, you, have you ever had a conversation with somebody and then you go get in your Facebook that day and there's like, like you're, you're talking to your, you're, you know, you're, you're talking to somebody about, uh, about fishing, I don't know, you know, and then all of a sudden you go on your Facebook and it's Academy advertising fishing stuff. Oh, yeah. you, you ever had that? <laughs> you know, when I, I was working this, it's amazing. One of the things that has just dominated my newsfeed are the some lady on TikTok that just posts video about all this paranormal stuff. I thought, you know, that how interesting is that? But listen, don't engage with the paranormal. The Bible tells us very clearly. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 31, 
do not defile yourselves by turning to mediums or those who consult the spirit of the dead. I am the Lord your God. That's, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Well, say, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, yeah, maybe so. So let's look in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Their light and darkness, they cannot mix. Is God more powerful than demonic spirits? Yes. But I'm going to tell you, demons can be extremely convincing to lead people astray. I know you may be a very smart person. You may, you, you know, there, there's kind of two types of people, right? There's people with, you know, extremely IQ smart, and then there's the rest of us. No. <laughs> you know, there, there's common sense people. They're, you know, just because you have a high IQ, I found, doesn't mean you have a whole lot of common sense. But um, <laughs> that's just me. That's what low IQ people say. That, I tell my daughter all the time, I know you're smarter than me, Shaley. Listen, I have totally went off the rails. <laughs> they can be extremely convincing and lead people astray as believers, and we fall, we can fall victim to their tricks. Listen, astrology, horoscopes, psychics, tarot cards, palm readers. The root of all of that is in the demonic. Plain and simple. Fortune cookies are fake. That's because I eat fortune cookies. Okay. I can't put a list in there, you know. After the death of a loved one, we can be vulnerable to attacks. When we're in a depressed state, we can be vulnerable to attacks. When we are battling addiction, we can be vulnerable to attacks. If we are living in a, an illicit, sinful lifestyle, we can be vulnerable to attacks. Are you following me? That's why I was saying that the blood of Jesus and being faithful in our life, it fixes a lot of the spiritual warfare going on. Demons, they want to deceive. They can do nothing but deceive. Matter of fact, the Bible says... That the enemy, I know there's many that are bilingual in this room, and, and that's awesome, but all, many, all of us have a native language. The native language of the enemy is that of lies and deception. I want to tell you, demons do look for open doors. Let me explain that just for a moment. An open door to an evil spirit is a consistent behavior or attitude that is outside the will of God for us. An open door to an evil spirit is a, cons listen to what I'm saying, consistent. Maybe I should have made that the fill in the blank word. Consistent behavior or attitude that is outside the will of God for us. Rebellion, sin, offense. We can have a, a misconception about what Scripture is teaching us and hold tightly to it. And that's an open door to being deceived or being manipulated. Emotional trauma. Demons want to trick you any way possible. Any way possible. And so, what do you do? Well, this is basic training, so we're going to talk the very... Simplicity of it. 
At this point, you know, you don't need to know, you know, may, uh, you know, you don't need to know maybe how to pray with somebody who manifests some kind of demonic spirit or anything like that. But listen to me. We're going to talk very simply. The first place you start is salvation. The first place you start is salvation. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. That's taken from Isaiah 61, and you can go back and look at that, Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. But listen to me. When you come to the Lord and you accept Jesus, and you, you tell him, I want you to be the Lord of my life, and you become that new creation, I want you to truly understand the power of that. When that happens, it's what we are doing is we are receiving the price that he paid for our sin. What price did he pay for our sin is that he shed his blood. When you are washed, covered in the blood of Jesus, I'm going to tell you, it fixes a lot about us. <laughs> it does. It fixes a lot. of. That's what pays the price for you to be set free from oppression. That's what pays the price for you to be set free from being a captive, being released from darkness. He read this prophecy in his hometown of Nazareth, and Jesus can set us free from death through salvation, bondage through salvation. I mean, it's his mode of operation. It's his mission, the reason why he came to this planet. Matter of fact, I, I know we're going to read it in just a second, but the Bible, well, let's read it right now, 1 John 3, 8 is that when Jesus came, what did he do? He came to destroy the works of the devil. I said, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And where you start in winning that battle in spiritual warfare, get saved. Come to the Lord. Come to the Lord. The second thing is this, is obedience. The second thing is obedience. I, we don't have time to look at the whole. If you have your notes there, you want to jot it down and read it later. But there's a passage we read in 1 Samuel chapter 15. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15, King Saul is going to fight, I believe, the, uh, the Amalekites. And so he's going to go fight this other nation. And the Lord gave him a very specific directive. They were to destroy everything. They were to, they were to young, old, king, animals. They, they were to annihilate everything, absolutely everything. But Saul thought he knew better than God. And Saul let some live, but he also kept the choice of the livestock. And he was going to worship the Lord with it. But the Lord is speaking to Samuel and said, that boy did exactly what I told him not to do. And then we read in Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 15, 18. I want to pick up there. And the Lord sent you on a mission. So this is Samuel talking to Saul. Go completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until all are dead. Verse 19. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and what was evil in the sight of the Lord? 
But Saul insists, verse 20 we see, Saul insists, but I did this for the Lord. There is no disobeying God for God. <laughs> um, maybe you track with that just for a moment. <laughs> oh, but God, I'm doing this for you. No, you're not. You're doing it for yourself. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing the Lord, your burnt offering or your sacrifices or your obedience? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Submission is better than the offering of the fat of rams. And it says this, rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. If you want to break patterns in your life that could be spiritual attack, but very simply are going wrong in your life, then come in line and walk in obedience to how God has laid out for you to live. The Bible says, I, I don't have these verses for you. They, they may be in some of the notes, but I, they're not on the screen. But uh, John 14, 15, if you love me, you obey my commands. Acts 5, 29, we must obey God rather than human authority. 1 Peter 1, 14, you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into the old ways of living that satisfies your own desire, the scripture says. 1 John 5, 3, loving God means keeping his commandments. Isaiah 1, 19, if you will obey only me, you'll have plenty to eat. That's how you know some of us are living right. Come on now. Luke 6, 46, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? That's a pretty pointed one, isn't it? The third and final thing is this. Listen. There are times as you mature, absolutely, I mean that, I mean that you um, at times will be in a place of intercession that it's like, I mean, it's like engagement with, with the enemy, engagement with, with this unseen world, there's no doubt. But I'm going to tell you right now how every single person in this room can begin to win the battle in spiritual warfare. Are you ready? Speak blessing. Speak blessing. When people, you know, people have, um, man, some weird, odd, unexplainable attacks, things happen in their home. And so they'll call us and they'll say, Pastor, would you come and anoint and pray for my home? And I say, yes, absolutely, we'll come and anoint and pray for your home. And when we enter that home, it is very very aware that when I walk into that home and I start binding and, and casting out devils and rebuking the devil, you know what I do? I walk in that room with that, with that oil and I begin to anoint thresholds and windows and doors and I say, Lord, would you just fill this home? Would you bless this home with your presence? Would you, would you just, your glory to rest in the living room? And, and we pray, I, I speak blessing in that bedroom, that there'll be good sleep, that, that, you, would, that you would have control of the dreams, that, that you would bless this kitchen and, and let this home be blessed and, and healthy. Listen to me. When you learn to speak blessing in your life, you're going to understand how that devil's weapons have been stripped. That's what the Bible tells us in Colossians, that, the, that Christ, through the work of the cross, he stripped the enemy of all of his weapons. And we have a very powerful weapon to speak blessing. 
To bless means to make whole through spoken words. It's not something that you can just think about. I believe there is power when you speak it. When you speak it over someone's life, when you speak it to a situation, when we speak blessing, we are calling upon God's divine favor. One of these days, I, I say it all the time when the kids look at me funny. There's maybe there's some older ones in the room. You're going to know this statement, but some, favor's not fair. Favor's not fair. And when you are walking in faithfulness to the what do I mean by that? When you are walking obediently and faithful to the Lord, and God's hand is upon you, those who are outside the will of God are looking at you thinking, that's not fair. Your circumstance, your condition, your situation. Your circumstance, your condition, your situation. Those are your last three blanks. Your circumstance, your condition, those are all things that you can speak blessing to. And I want to close with this. But There was a Swiss psychiatrist who was also a theologian. And he lived, in, he, he lived uh, of course, in Switzerland. And he discovered a recurring psychological problem in therapy. He was also a believer. And... What he began, what he called it was, how he labeled it was the unblessed child. It had nothing to do with the gifts of the child, the ability of the child, the opportunities in life that the child enjoyed, material possessions. It had to do with not being blessed and not being approved of by their parents. And so feeling, so those, the, those kids grew up feel like they never measured up to, their, to what their parents thought of them, never felt like they pleased their parents. Listen, when you speak blessing in the people's life, you are speaking life. You are speaking life. There may be some of you in this room this morning to warfare in your life or people that have surrounded this room. You're, you, it's like a constant. And you believed it. But I want you to know, and the Lord wants you to know, that you're a child of God. You're the object of his affection. You're his masterpiece. He knits you together in your mother's womb. And God doesn't make junk. He made you. He made you. Now, I'm going to tell you before we ever go to the front line and face the devil, we got to win this battle within ourselves. And you can do it through the power and the help and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Proverbs 18:21, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. I, I like the, you know, in this series, and recently I've been talking in, out of the NLT, but I want to go back to the ESV on this one. And the ESV says it this way, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. And the question is, do you want to eat the fruit of life or do you want to eat the fruit of death? Right? 
I mean, even comes out of this. I mean, you guys have heard me quote this scripture so many times, but it's in, it's in one of the Peters, I think First Peter, but he says, don't return insult for insult or railing for railing or, or cursing for cursing, but with blessing so that you may also inherit a blessing. Listen. Those circumstances, you in your life, you can speak life. In your finances, you can speak life. Now listen to me. When you begin to do that, you may begin to have this witness or this still small voice that begins to speak to your heart that says, okay, if you want life in that area, then do this. If you want freedom in your finances, then quit buying 20 bucks of lottery tickets every week. Sometimes it's practical. Sometimes it's practical. But if you do win, remember to pay your tithe. Would you stand this morning? Jesus. You know, just for a moment for a moment would you just right where you are would you just ask the Lord say God have the Holy Spirit search my heart have the Holy Spirit search me search us oh God in the name of Jesus once again thank you for joining us for our podcast If you would, please take the time to like, share this podcast to your favorite platform. We would greatly appreciate it. Again, if you want more information about us, just go to odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms. God bless you.